As the world heads into uncharted territory, business leaders are seeking new perspective. The What Now, What Next podcast series features KPMG advisors addressing the issues that are of most concern now and in the near future. Today, I'd like to introduce Matt Campbell and Brock Solano. They will be talking with us about working remotely and thriving in a virtual working world. Matt and Brock, as we begin, would you introduce yourselves to our listeners? My name is Brock Solano. I'm a managing director at KPMG, working closely with our clients to structure their organizations in order to meet their current business objectives, as well as identifying ways to engage top talent to meet those objectives. It's great to be with you, Stacey. Hey, thanks for having me on today, Stacey. Good to be here with you, Brock. Matt Campbell here. I, alongside Brock, work with our clients. And I think some of the things we'll focus on in terms of the work that we do today is really around some of the organization effectiveness activities that happen with our clients and some of what we're seeing with those clients, but specifically helping teams work together well in this context and understand what it means to have clear roles and the relationships that people need to maintain as they work in this environment. Thank you for sharing. To begin, can you speak a bit about what you're seeing in the market today? Can you discuss how prepared you're finding organizations as they're responding to the need to move all or part of their workforce to a remote environment in response to COVID-19? Stacey, we're seeing quite a bit of a continuum. There's some of our more agile clients in the tech industry, telecommunications. They're able to, given their emphasis on technology as part of their day-to-day jobs are able to pivot quite nicely to a remote workforce. And we also see a lot of our global manufacturing companies, because they've been experiencing the effects of COVID-19 at differing stages, they've been preparing along the way. And so a lot of the remediation has already been put in place. Where we see those on the other end of the continuum, it's going to be more of your motive, transportation, energy and utilities, those companies where the equipment that they're working with is not something you take home. And so being able to work remotely is just not an option for them. And those are the industries that we see that are struggling. To bring it down a level from the industry perspective, there's probably about two-thirds of our clients that have some capacity to respond to this well, and a third of them are really struggling to catch up where it's simple as a finance function that work on desktops and they're no longer able to do their work now that everybody's working from home. So there's varying degrees of both the people readiness, but also the technology readiness and how clients have actually been able to respond to that. I think the other piece, apart from the infrastructure, is how people are actually working together. And so a lot of questions coming through in terms of how do we actually work together? How do we hand work off between each other? What does it mean in terms of how we actually think about the allocation of work? How should we all be working together when everybody's working from home and has different family pressures as well? So there's a lot of big structural business implications, but also some very human implications in this as well. And that's part of what we're trying to help them work through is the right mix of solutions, right mix of ideas for them to start affecting in their work environment. One of the things you just offered was the question, how do we work together in the midst of this? And so what are you two seeing personally? How are people responding? Leveraging a lot of the technology platforms that I'm seeing in 
your everyday jobs as far as your messenger, some of the project management efficiency tools. These are the types of the mediums that perhaps were leveraged to a certain degree, but now they're table stakes for being able to interact and collaborate remotely. We're also seeing some of our clients consider some of the more innovative solutions like the virtual reality conferencing, where you can interact video footage where the individual or leader is presenting information and the sense of community is had where you have other individuals that are visually there watching this presentation. One of the challenges that I think our clients are meeting, which is why they're going to creative solutions like virtual reality conferencing, is maintaining engagement, maintaining the dialogue instead of just having someone present something to them, actually discussing, which can be challenging if you don't have the visuals. So those solutions that are providing face-to-face interaction are where we're seeing our clients really push for because that's where you can continue a lot of the innovative solutions that our clients are known for maintaining to make sure that the business is not disrupted. Well, I think adding into that, again, is really looking at how people are starting to renegotiate the terms of what their work is and how they do it, because this is probably one of the most significant cultural changes that we're likely to see in our lifetime, at this speed at least, with people moving to a forcibly remote context. What we're actually seeing is people struggling to work out how do they renegotiate new terms. So if they normally went to work from eight till five, and that doesn't happen anymore. How do you manage that when you've got children in the house? How do you manage that when you've got elderly folks or someone ill in the house that you need to care for? What does it mean in terms of how you actually negotiate that? Some of the immediate things we're seeing around people taking care of themselves is starting to understand the implications of having those additional pressures and negotiating what new working hours might work. And so in the instance children, if you have one person taking the morning shift and one person taking the evening shift so that you can parent full-time or homeschool as the case may be. Also looking at how you actually are renegotiating that with your team in terms of the hours that people are working so that there's a clear expectation as to what it means as to when we're going to be working and how we're going to be working. I think there's the piece around how do I look after myself and negotiate the terms. And I think it's not just parents, but it's also everybody is trying to find balance in terms of, well, when am I actually working? When am I not working? What are my markers around that? Because it can easily be all-consuming for people to just keep working, especially when everybody has different levels of availability to put into that work. And I think then as you start to look at the teams and how people are teaming together, there's a huge need still for that contact. And so this isn't social isolation, this is social distancing. And so the isolation piece is very real if people aren't actually making an effort to communicate. Some of the teams that I'm working with are really putting a lot more structure around when they're actually going to work together. The last 15 minutes of every hour is impromptu calls, which would normally be when you're walking past someone's desk to ask something. Now there's actually some partitions around that in terms of the last 15 minutes of the hour to do that. I think also within some of these ideas as to how people are responding, there's looking at how work can actually get done. A lot of our clients are dealing with sensitive information, which means that there needs to be VPN technology in place. And that VPN technology is probably struggling a little bit in terms of the sheer amount of people that are now using that platform. The technology aspect 
is forcing organisations to invest in that very rapidly. We'll probably talk a bit more later on, Stacey, but thinking through the impact of all that technology investment is probably going to have some more significant changes in terms of how work happens on an ongoing basis. One of the things I'm interested in is around the outcomes that you're seeing. I'm curious if you have any unique tips or tricks for leading virtual meetings and remaining engaged as a team. I know you touched on that a bit just a moment ago, but are there other things for you and Brock that come to mind? I think the biggest thing there, Stacey, is empathy and actually listening to what's going on for other people. Because at the moment, everybody is dealing with a lot of fragility and I guess, unknown expectations as to what's going to happen next because there has been so much change. Putting in place some simple movements, if you like, in terms of this is how we're going to be working, this is when we're going to be working, does that actually work for everybody? Are we going to be having every call as a video call? Because that can be quite exhausting. When I send the emails out, how fast am I expecting people to respond to those emails? So there's a lot of that tactical information that's getting renegotiated at the moment because people are having to work in a different style. I think we're also starting to see an evaluation, if you like, of what the role of the manager is. And there's questions around how do you actually maintain the productivity of teams. There's some more draconian organizations that are looking at technology to monitor employees to make sure they're being productive. And that's probably not going to work so well when the economy picks back up and employees actually have a choice to to move to another job. They feel that they're not trusted to be doing their work. So I think, again, some of the outcomes we're seeing there with clients at the moment is a little bit polarizing where some organizations are really following through on their culture and their values in terms of, hey, we believe in our people and we trust our people. And then we've got other organizations that are probably defaulting to some draconian micromanagement style, which is going to have some longer term implications in terms of how that works. I do think, to be fair, though, there's probably a lot of anxiety out of those leaders as to, well, I don't know how to work in this way. So how do I make sure that people are working? And Again, I just go back to the first step there in terms of to drive good outcomes is to actually listen to what people's needs are and ask them. I know on my team, we spend probably the first five minutes of every call just checking in with everybody to make sure they're okay and able to carry through with the workload that we have at the moment. And also trying to finish five minutes ahead of the scheduled call time so that everybody can have those, shall we say, very human moments of bio breaks so that we're not sitting in our seats all day long. And I think the other piece to this as well is when people are setting up their own physical environments, not necessarily chain themselves to a home office or a kitchen table for eight hours, but to actually know that they can stand up, move around, walk. Because they're all things that we would normally be doing if we're in a, a traditional office context of moving between meetings. And so a little bit of that human movement is also needed between the meetings. I like the concepts you mentioned as far as first managing yourself and then you can manage your teams. Just to build off what you said as far as the work environment, we make sure that we're setting up a place that is conducive for us. So as we're in our homes, making sure that we're trying to eliminate the distractions, not only for ourselves, but especially when we're doing video conferencing, the distractions for other people. Folks are going to be curious. They're looking in on the video to see what their colleague's house looks like. Try to be considerate to make sure you're reducing the amount of distractions so that people can engage in what you're saying. I think the other concept that hopefully folks are maintaining is in order to be present and engaged, you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself, getting out, getting the exercise you need to be able to have the right energy level to engage on these conference calls or on video conferencing. 
when we talk about managing our teams, it's important to make sure that you practice the components that would fall within any team charter. Formally putting team charters in place is something we're seeing a lot of our clients doing so that it's fully transparent of what they expect of their teams, what their teams can expect from their managers as far as availability, the level and frequency of communication throughout the day, throughout the week, as well as being able to track progress. So in order to have proper, smooth handoffs, making sure that the manager is transparent about the work plan, the work plan for that day. These are some of the things that are going to be not only well-received by their teams, understanding exactly what the expectations are. It allows the teams also to manage expectations. They have individual circumstances, things that they're dealing with, whether it be pets, children, their own personal needs. These are things that they need to be able to have direct conversations with managers. And so they can find times where they're able to connect during the day, during the week, and they're able to still take care of themselves. So going back to that concept of empathy, that's really where you're going to see it tactically is good organization, transparent and clear communication. One of the questions I'd like to end on is around the potential implications for the future. Both of you have painted an incredible picture of what's happening right now, how people can respond, how we can better work together during this season. But I'm curious if you can give us any insight into what the future might hold. I think that you're going to see individuals, employees that are going to manage through a lot of the challenges that they're perhaps currently facing working remotely. And they're going to have this expectation once they can get into their groove, they're going to have this expectation of being able to work remotely more often. So the need for coming into the office would be reduced as well as their desires. There's a change in the psychological contract that I assume is going to take place if it's not already taking place in the minds of many employees. And so how are organizations going to respond to that need as they reintroduce folks back into the office? What is the platforms that they're going to put in place, the continuity to allow their employees who have this expectation to continue to work remotely? These are things that they need to be considering now because that's what's going to be needed to maintain engagement and to ensure that employee experience is still going to be enticing for their top talent. Just adding on to that, Brock, I think for me, part of what you're talking about there is the intentionality of interactions. So it's not so much about people just coming into an office environment going forward, but really, why are they there? What are they doing in that environment that they couldn't do somewhere else? And when we're doing some of our organization design effectiveness work with clients, we start to segment the work that people are doing around either is the work tied to a place? Is it tied to working with other people, whether they're internal customers or external customers? Is the work tied to information and ideas and how that is exchanged and developed? Is it tied to machinery, plant, equipment, which is a very different type of workforce? Or is it a contractual type thing? And so people working under various contracts, whether it's as part of a, an enterprise bargaining agreement or individual consultant contractor type folk. So there's implications for each of those groups in terms of how their work changes going forward. Obviously, people who are tied in places and equipment are probably going to have less impact from a remote working environment. But people who are tied to information-based work and ideation work or work that's attached to building things remotely, because we've now demonstrated we can do it, 
the other big thing is in the Future of Work series that we've produced at KPMG over time, a lot of the emphasis there was that work would become more remote over the next five to ten years. Probably going to see that having been fast-forwarded pretty significantly now, given that the barrier to that was around technology and they were expecting organizations to upgrade their technology slowly. Now they've had to increase their technological footprint in this space very quickly. And so a lot of that future of thinking is going to become very relevant sooner than before. And so whether it's at the psychological contract that Brock's talking about, whether it's how we fundamentally think about workflows in organizations and the handoffs, in some ways work could start to get a lot more simplified because everyone's a lot more focused on what the true outcome of work is rather than a lot of the management processes that may have existed. And so we're going to see organization and leadership teams really having to redefine what that looks like. I think there's also a big change here in terms of the types of leaders that are going to be successful. As this working virtually environment continues, we're probably going to see different leadership traits come to the surface and different individuals probably start to stand out in a way that we haven't seen those individuals stand out before because it's a different type of leadership that starts to take place here. Exciting times, challenging times, lots of implications for how we work on an ongoing basis. Exciting and challenging times indeed. Matt and Brock, thank you for being here today. I appreciate the perspective you've both offered around this significant cultural shift, particularly your insight into the importance of renegotiating the terms of our work, the need for empathy, and even the need for intentionality as companies begin engaging in future of thinking around remote work. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll look forward to bringing you other insights from our KPMG advisors in our next edition of What Now, What Next? In the meantime, you can check out the other podcast in this series at visit.kpmg.us slash COVID-19. Thank you.